0: take out your bibles if you will please and the scripture reading that we read this morning is from the book of proverbs chapter 1 verse 8 through verse number 10 now i'm really just using this verse as a springboard and we're going to go back into the old testament and we're going to dig out a passage of scripture that's going to um, i guess illustrate the subject that i want to talk about this morning Today I want to talk to you primarily to our teenagers, but it really applies to every single one of us. It's something we all can implement in our life as we start thinking about some of these guidelines and principles that we need to have in our life in order to help us live a victorious Christian life. Now guys, you realize, and and this is kind of off the subject, but I just want to drive this home while we're here and we're talking about living victoriously. Do you realize as a Christian, as a believer, as a cross follower that you can live a defeated life or you can live a victorious life. You see, just because you're saved, just because you've accepted Christ, that doesn't mean you're going to live in victory and, in, and have all the blessings that God wants to pour upon you. There's some standards, there's some things that you've got to do. Matter of fact, a lot of times in the Old Testament, whenever we go back and we look at Moses and how he led the children of Israel out of Egypt and, and they crossed the, uh, the Red Sea and, and then Joshua leads them on across the Jordan and they go on into the land of Canaan, which is the promised land. Let me remind you that the promised land that God has had and has and will have again for his people Israel was not a top of heaven. Understand that? I know a lot of times we, we make the mistake and we get our theology out of a hymn book. Instead of out of the word of God. I understand some of the old Canaan land is now inside. I, I know some of the old songs about Canaan. But Canaan really is a picture of victorious Christian living for the child of God. Okay. It's not a picture of salvation. It's a picture of living in victory. And if we're going to live in victory, there's some things that we've got to put in our in our life. There's some principles that we must live by in order to live victoriously. Now, I know a lot of Christians, I know a lot of believers that live in defeat. Nearly every single day of their life, they're living in defeat. Now, will they die and go to heaven one day? Yeah, they'll get to heaven. Amen. They'll be in heaven. But unfortunately, they've never learned how to live in victory they've never learned how to live victoriously well today I'm going to unpack one principle for you that will help you to start living victoriously as a child of God but we've got to pay attention to what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs look once again in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8 down through verse number 10 the very first word what does it say let's say it together listen stop Let's say it again. Say it again. Oh, that's hard to do, isn't it? You see, we want to talk all the time, don't we? That's one of the things I enjoy about being a preacher. I get to talk all the time. (laughs) Listening is hard work, is it not? But the Bible says, listen, my son, to your father's instructions. I'm amazed how much smarter my dad got once I hit the age of about 23, 24, 25 and started having my own kids and started raising my own family. You see, when I was a teenager, my dad didn't know anything. I knew it all. That was a a good spot for mom and dad to say amen. You see, when I was a teenager, when I was 15, 16, 17, 18, you couldn't tell me anything. Some of you say, well, you have a hard time telling you anything now. Well, that may be true, but especially when I was a teenager, I knew it all. Nobody could tell me anything. How naive. And unfortunately, probably every single one of you that are now adults, older, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, especially as you get on older, you know that you didn't know it all when you were a teenager. There's some things that you've learned since then. Hello? Hello? Teenagers, let me tell you something, this is Youth Sunday, I'm trying to direct this message to you, I love you, I've got teenagers of my own, but I'm here to tell you, you don't know everything. There's some things you've got to learn. Now, I'm, I'm proud of where you are, I mean, you're growing up, you're a young adult, you're, you're learning to live On it. by the way, parents, mom and dad, do you know what your role is? By the way, these kids aren't yours, you're a steward, they're God's. They belong to him. You're to steward those children. And you know what your role is? You're to raise them. A lot of times parents say, oh, my child is just so independent. Whoa, oh, that's kind of a good thing. It's kind of a good thing. that has got to be tempered, but it's kind of a good thing. Listen, I don't want my kids at 25, 28, 30, 32, 35 still living at home and doing and sponging off mom and dad and eating my food and living in my house and taking up my space and now, that don't mean I'm not going to help them. That don't mean I don't love them. That doesn't mean... But I want to raise them so that they can be their own person. So that they can get out of the nest. So that they can go establish their own family. Guys, listen. we got to raise our kids up and let them go. And there, as parents, as we raise, as our kids get older, our our style and the way we parent has got to change a little bit with their age. Hello? Boy, I remember the days, Brother Daniel, when I was sitting right there in your shoes. I was a young preacher, had a young wife, still got a young wife. <laughs> that's wisdom, is it not? That's wisdom. See, you get that as you get older. <laughs> boy, I had my kids, my toddlers just running around. But boy, if one of them did something, all I had to do was snap a finger and grab one, and pop it on the tail and set it down, and it, man, it listened. I've learned that that style of parenting really doesn't work when they get to be teenagers. I mean, the way you discipline and things you do, all that's got to change. We can't live by just holding and pressing our kids down like we could when they were toddlers. We've got to start parenting. And that's, that's a whole nother message, and I'm not trying to preach that today. But we've got to listen. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. and Don't reject your mother's teaching. For they will be a garland of grace on your head and a gold chain around your neck. Verse number 10 is primarily where I want to jump into. My son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. And then the passage of Scripture in First Thessalonians 5.22. Avoid all appearance of evil. Avoid every form of evil. Avoid all of that. Stay away from all of that. Today, I want to try to share with you a topic, a subject, a thought on simply living in avoidance. Living in avoidance. And I guess the subtitle is How to Be Victorious Over Temptation. Guys, every single one of us are going to be be tempted. Not just when you're a teenager, all through our adult life, all through our life, we are going to be tempted. Now, there's a ground rule and there's a principle. There's something we need to understand. And I want to drive this home right now. Temptation is not a sin. To be tempted, you have not sinned. Okay? A lot of Christians, a lot of believers live in the guilt of the fact that they're tempted. So, therefore, they think they must be doing something wrong as a child of God. Listen, that's really a good thing. It's kind of a a good sign of where you are, maybe spiritually, if all the time you feel like Satan's beating you up and and he's tempting you and he's throwing things your way. You see, because if you're out there living for the devil, you're not going to recognize a whole lot of that stuff. You just kind of foot loose and fancy free and he's got you. But it's really when you start living for the Lord And you're trying to do things right. You're trying to grow in your faith. You're trying to live out this victorious Christian life. And you're aware of all the fiery darts that Satan throws your way. You're aware of all the temptations that comes. That's a good thing because Satan recognizes, hey, you are now a threat to him. Hello? Which is what we want to be, right? But the sin comes when we yield to temptation that's when the sin comes not when we're tempted by the way Jesus was tempted yet he was without sin so just being tempted I just want to lay that ground rule just being tempted doesn't mean that you've sinned it's when you yield to that temptation that's when you sin okay so let's just lay that foundation first and foremost and let's try to build off of that there's a story in the old testament and I want you to turn in your bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 39. How many have ever heard, and especially you teenagers, I know most of you adults probably have, the life of Joseph. You heard a little bit about the life of Joseph? Boy, I tell you what, when you go and unpack his life and you see all that he went through and you see everything that took place for him. If you remember, his father loved him. Did he not? I mean, almost loved him more than the rest of the brother. He loved his whole family, but Joseph was just special to his father. If you remember, he made him that, you remember that coat? I think it was Dolly Parton or Loretta Lynn, one, made of, made millions of dollars off singing about that coat of many colors. Who who was it, Dolly? Dolly Parton? You teenagers probably don't remember that, okay? He made him this coat, this beautiful coat. Well, his brothers were very jealous and Joseph dreamed dreams and God just had his special anointing blessing hand upon Joseph and had had great plans for Joseph, by the way. God has plans for you as well. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. God talks about the plans that he has for you. And every teenager, I want you all to sit up. I want you to pay attention. This service is for you. You're not done just because you quit singing. It's not time to text. It's not time to pass notes. It's not time to zone out or veg out. So put away your cell phones and pay attention to me. Hello? Surely we can go without texting for 30 minutes. All right? I know. I'm not saying anybody's doing it. Don't know. I see the moms right now looking around. My child, my child. I didn't see anybody texting, okay? I just know that it happens because I sat in a church service one time. (laughs) But listen to me. Joseph was a guy that his brothers were jealous of. Matter of fact, if you go and look at some of the events of Joseph's life, you'll find that first of all, his, his father loved him. He made him this beautiful coat. He had these dreams and these visions and he went maybe to his brothers and, and shared with them a dream that he had. And it probably wasn't probably the wisest thing for him to do. But he went to his brothers and said, hey, I had a dream the other night and kind of dream went like this. One day you're going to serve me and you're going to bow at my feet and I'm going to rule. And they're like, oh, that ain't happening. You know, so they got kind of jealous of Joseph and, and the story goes on and go, as you start unpacking his life, you'll see that he was rejected by his brothers to the point that as he went out to check on his brothers and he's out there with them in the fields, they took that coat that his father made him and they cut it all up and they tore it to pieces and they put blood all over it and they sent it back to the father and they said, Joseph has been killed. They started this lie, this rumor. Matter of fact, they wanted to kill him. Some of the brothers wanted to kill him. Another brother stood up and said, no, we can't kill him. Let's throw him in this empty cistern. How many knows what an empty cistern is? It's like a well. It's a reservoir where they held water. And they threw him down in this empty cistern, this empty reservoir. And and they kind of left him there. And then they thought, well, no, we just can't leave him there. And all of a sudden there were some Ishmaelites that were coming by, some traveling gypsies, so to speak. And they said, well, let's just sell him off to these gypsies. So the Ishmaelites came by and they put Joseph out there and they sold him to to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites now take Joseph, who his brothers just sold into slavery, down into Egypt. And while he's in Egypt, Potiphar says, well, there's a slave. I'll buy him from you, Ishmaelites. And Potiphar, which was in command of that entire region under Pharaoh, said... I'll buy this slave. He'll work for me. So he bought Joseph. Joseph sold into slavery. He's working for Potiphar. But Potiphar notices that Joseph has the favor of God on his life. And everything that Joseph touches is blessed. Everything in Joseph's life is blessed. And Potiphar recognized, I want you to look at this in your Bibles, look in Genesis chapter 39 and verse number two, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man serving in the household of his Egyptian master. Verse number three, when his master saw that the Lord was was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor in his master's sight, and became his personal attendant and Potiphar also put him in charge of the entire household. Whenever I was reading this, verse number 3 just jumped off the page. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that everything Joseph did, the Lord made him successful. Potiphar, an ungodly man, not a believer, noticed that the favor and the blessings of God was resting on joseph's life wow what a testimony may i ask you the question teenagers do your peers do they see god in you do they see god in you adults do your peers do they see god in you do they see god's blessings on your life do they see you living for the lord Do they recognize that you have been successful because God has blessed you? What a testimony for Joseph. But then all of a sudden sudden something happened and that's what I want to start talking to you about. I want to share with you a few principles that we find about temptation in this story. Now this story goes on, if you will, look up, if you will, up in verse verse number six. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, sleep with me. Now here we get the story of where Joseph, this well-built man, good-looking man, something like Philip, stand up, Philip, stand up, Philip, I want to put your coat on, man. This is our Donald Trump. I want you to look at this. This is a good-looking man, is he not? I told Philip I was going to brag on him a little bit today. He didn't know I was going to do it like this. <laughs> look at this. You need to sit in this man's business class. Hello? Let me tell you why. Number one, he looks good. That's kind of what Joseph looked like right there. Good-looking, well-built, good-looking man. And by the way, on May the 14th, you need to sit in that class because he can help you. Yeah, I'm thankful that there's some people that recognize some abilities that God has given them and they recognize that they came from the Lord. They're willing to share those with other people and live out their Christian faith in the workplace. I'm thankful for people like that. Amen. That's a young man. He don't have to be doing that. I think we need to give him a hand. Hello? Joseph probably looked a little bit like that. Good looking man. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you've had any Potiphar wives come up to you and say anything. <laughs> but Potiphar's wife came up to Joseph and said, Joseph, I want you to sleep with me. Now, there is the temptation. Now, I want you to understand this story that we're unpacking in Genesis chapter number 39. It's more than a story of sexual intent or uniqueness. I want you to notice there's two cultures at war here. There's, there's, two, there's the evil that's at place and then there's good at place. There, there's Satan, there's the devil at place, fighting, and then there's God at fighting through these two people, these two cultures. And this is, yes, it is an, an archaic, old, old story that happened way back yonder. But I want you to know this battle is still taking place today. It's just as relevant today as it was back in Joseph's day. What is the battle? Well, we see that there's Joseph. Joseph represents the individual that belongs to God. Joseph represents the individual who chooses to live a life through the truth of God's Word and do what is right. Oh, every time I think about the words do right, there was a sermon years and years and years ago that was preached by Dr. Bob Jones Sr. about do right and it's settled in my heart. And it's kind of the, what I've built my principles and my value system off of. Do right. And he said, if the stars fall, do, do what's right. Amen? Joseph was that kind of a guy. He did what was right. But then there's the other culture, if you will. There's the other individual. There's Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife represents those, get this, who see no higher authority than themselves. That's it. Life is about me. It's about me being pleased. It's about me getting what I want. It's about others around me recognizing that life is about me. You ever met that type of a person? Sure we have. Sure we have. And here we see these two cultures at war with each other. Very prevalent in our day. When we submit to this, the Word of God as the chief authoritative voice in our life. Amen? It's not about me. It's not about me doing what I want. It's not about me bringing pleasure to myself. That's the world's view. That, yes, it is all about you. Live it up. Enjoy life. You deserve whatever. Do whatever you want to do. You're accountable to no one. While you're in the who do you have to answer to? Hello? That's the war we see taking place right here. But it's unpacked and it's lived out in the life of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Now I want to try to share with you five principles about temptation. Make a little application. I'm going to be done. Number one, write this down if you will, please. As we talk about these temptations, principle number one is this. And on the back of your bulletin that you got this morning are your sermon notes. So go ahead and turn there and jot these down. You will need some of this in your life if you are serious about living victoriously as, as a child of God. Principle number one is this. Temptation often, often comes when you least expect it. I mean, boom. You're, I mean, things are going to be going well. And all of a sudden, one day, you're going to get blindsided. I mean, boom, there it is. It's going to present itself to you. That's what happened with Joseph. Now, Joseph was well built in verse, or chapter 39, verse 6. Verse number seven, after some time, his master's wife looked longingly at him. Now, in the Hebrew, that little phrase, looked longingly, it simply means that she was gazing on him with her eyes. That she was looking him up and down. And she was lifting her eyes up to him and gazing at him. Just fantasizing. And almost lusting. That's what that phrase means. That's how she was looking at him. And just in case Joseph missed the look, she said verbally, Joseph, come lie with me. Joseph, I want to sleep with you. Now, this is a man that had been in and out of this house many times. This is a man that was over everything that Potiphar had. Potiphar put him in charge of everything. So no doubt, all of a sudden, one day, Joseph is doing what he does, and he's doing it well, and all of a sudden, temptation is there, and Potiphar's wife looks at him and says, come and sleep with me. Guys, just let me tell you, that temptation is going to come to you like that. Just all of a sudden, I mean, you may be right in the middle of doing something good, It may be in the middle, youth, teenagers. It may be in the middle of homework, in the middle of a class. It may be while you're out having fun with friends. And all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, temptation is going to be there. It's going to come. And you are going to be tempted to sin. Now remember, the temptation is not the sin. Just being tempted, you haven't sinned yet. It's when you yield to that. So Joseph hasn't sinned yet. He's just all of a sudden overwhelmed with this temptation to lie with this woman. Okay? Principle number two, jot this one down. Temptation always tries to make sin look acceptable. Temptation always tries to make sin look acceptable. Wow. Do you realize that Joseph could have reasoned this away. I mean, there's the temptation. He's really in charge of everything. Why? Well, he's in charge of everything under Potiphar's house. He could have logically reasoned this out and said, you know what, Joseph, you could do this. I mean, logically, you could say, well, yes, I am in control of everything. I am. Potiphar's put me in control of everything in his house. So what will it hurt just to lie with this woman? What will it hurt just to have a little affair with her on the side. He could have reasoned this out. And that's what sin does. Sin will come to us and we will be tempted with that sin and it will be right before us. And if we're not real real careful, we will find ourselves trying to justify that sin. Hello? Sin really has a way, or temptation has a way of coming to you to make that sin look acceptable but i want you to notice something about joseph look if you will in verse number verse number 9 or he starts in verse number 8 he says look my master does not concern himself with anything in his house and he's put all that he owns under my authority verse number 9 no one in this house is greater than i am he has withheld nothing from me except you why is that because you are his wife. You know what Joseph believed in? He believed in the sanctity of marriage. Amen? He believed that when you make a vow to someone, you do not break that. You do not slip around. You do not lay around with somebody else's wife. He believed in that. Oh, how we need to get back to that in our day. Hey, young people, let me tell you something. You, you're probably already being tempted to have sexual relationships outside of marriage while you are a teenager. Let me tell you something. Joseph had already made up his mind that he believed in the sanctity of marriage before he was tempted with Potiphar's wife to lie with him. So what does that teach us? That teaches us this principle. And it's not the next one. But it teaches us this. That you've got to make up your mind before you get into a situation. What is right and what is wrong. Not while you're enduring the temptation. Not while you're experiencing all the peer pressure. Not while everybody's telling you, hey, it's just a Budweiser. It's just one beer. Go ahead and have a drink. I guarantee you the drunkard that was out driving while under the influence of alcohol and had a wreck and killed an innocent family, I guarantee you he wishes that he never went back and had that first drink. I guarantee you the drunkard, the man that came home drunk and beat his wife and shot and killed his family, I guarantee you he wishes he would have never been introduced to the very first drink. And just let me go on record and say this, alcohol is the liquid devil. Hello? Don't, do not, do not start. Do not start. Hello? Joseph made up his mind that I believe in the sanctity of marriage. I am not going to lay around with somebody else's wife. There's some men that need to make that decision. There's some adults that need to make that decision right now. And live by that principle. Hello? Hey, this is just, I'm just putting it where the rubber meets the road. Just putting it down there. I want you to live victoriously, and if you don't put some of these principles in your life, there's no way in the world you can. Hello? Somebody's got to preach this message, and if we don't preach in the church, where in the world are we going to hear it? Let me tell you one thing I'm sick of. Let me tell you one thing I'm sick of in the church. I'm sick of the church dumbing and numbing itself down to where it no longer says anything because it's afraid of offending someone in the world. I am sick of that. Thank God somebody preached me the truth when I was a young teenage boy. Thank God someone told me I've got to accept Jesus or I'm going to split hell wide open. Thank God somebody preached sin to me or I wouldn't be where I am today. Hello? Hello? Come on, somebody, is anybody with me here? If you are, it'd be a good place to say amen encourage your preacher a little bit because I feel like I'm all alone. I hope I'm not. Huh? Joseph, he was tempted. And temptation will always try to make itself look acceptable. Everybody else is doing it. All around us, they're doing it. It's, no, it's not really that big of a deal. Let's indulge in this. He said, no, I can't. I'm in charge of everything except you. You're his wife. I believe in marriage. One man, one woman. Hello. Do I need to say that again? One man, one woman. I believe in that. Joseph believed in that. Therefore, I cannot have you. I got to move on. I got to move on. Principle number three. To be victorious over temptation, you must live in avoidance. You must live in avoidance. May I show you something here that just jumped off the page at me years ago in this passage of scripture. Flip, or Philippians, Genesis 39, verse number 10. Get this. Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Now one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the household servants were there, Whoa, I don't want to get to the thunder yet. Now, one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the household servants was there, she grabbed him by his garment and said, sleep with me. But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. Now, that's principle number three. To be victorious over temptation, you must live in avoidance. I mean, you got to get out of some situations. Matter of fact, let me go on to principle number four real quick. Write this one down. It almost goes hand in hand with principle number three. Principle number four is this. To be victorious over temptation, you may have to literally remove yourself from the situation. kind of goes hand in hand. You've got to live in avoidance, and then there's going to be some situations that you're going to have to literally remove yourself. Joseph ran out of the house. But years ago, as I was studying this passage of Scripture, the Lord really spoke to me about about verse number 10 and verse number 11. Let's look at this once again. And I'm going to ask you a few questions to help you get to the place where you can discover what's happening here. Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, question, how often was she tempting Joseph? How often was she asking him to come to bed with her? You tell me, how often? Day after day. I mean, this was a regular occurrence now in Joseph's life. Every single day now, this lady was probably very attractive, had the wealth and all the riches that the world could provide at that time for her. She probably had all the pedicures and all the manicures and all the special Makeups and I don't know why. I got to stop right there. That's kind of all I know. What else that happens, all that stuff. She was probably very beautiful, but the Bible says that day after day. How often did she tempt him? Tell me. Let's say it again. How often? How often? Let that sink in. Every single day she came to him and said come and lie with him. Now read the next verse. And this is where I think Joseph made a dumb move. Now one day, he went into the house to do his work. Read the rest of it. Get this. And none of the household servants were there. Now God's I'm not a rocket scientist. And I was born in western North Carolina. And I just went to a little high school called Eastburg High School. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a brilliant man. But I've got enough sense to know that there is a woman that is trying to seduce me every single day. And then I go to her house. I mean, I'm in charge of the things there. And I go in and I recognize that none of the other servants are in that house. Nobody is there except Potiphar's wife. And I know, because how often was she tempting him? Tell me. Day after day, after day, after day, after day, every single day, come and lie with me. Come and lie with me. Come and lie with me. Joseph, you did a stupid thing, and it cost you dearly. What did he do? He knew that once he saw her, she was going to try to seduce him again. But yet he went into that situation when all of the servants were out of the house. No one was in that household except her. And she tried to seduce him again. That was a dumb move, Joseph You know what Joseph didn't do? He did not live in avoidance. Can everyone see this? This is sin. This is temptation. I'm Joseph. Joseph walked into that house. and He sat down in temptation. Now he hadn't sinned. But boy, he put himself right in the middle of a horrible situation when he knew that day after day after day after day after day after day, day, do you get the point? She's saying, Joseph. You know, I wonder how she was dressing herself. She's trying to get Joseph in bed with her. Can't you only imagine that she was probably dressing very seductively and saying, Joseph, come on over here, big boy. Joseph, hey, Joseph, come on. Come on, you know it's just me and you. That's temptation, guys. By the way, may I remind you that the devil's not going to come to you in a red suit and horns and a pitchfork. And I'm not implying he's going to come to you as a woman either. (laughs) For, For those that are jumping to the other extreme. That's not what I'm implying. But I'm implying that he's going to come in a very seductive, enticing... He's going to come to a way that's going to pique your interest. In whatever sin it is. Okay? Joseph. Joseph. Joseph made a mistake. He went into that house knowing that no one was in the house but Potiphar's wife knowing that every day she was trying to get him in bed with her. Therefore where should he have lived? He should live in avoidance. Let me tell you why. You see if he would have walked up to that house one day and he would have knocked on the door and he would have made himself aware that all of the servants were gone If he would have shut the door and said, you know what? I'll come and do the chores inside the house at a later date when the rest of the servants are there. I'm going to surround myself with other men and women that are in there working with Potiphar's wife. I am not going to get myself in a situation where I am alone with her because I know what she's going to try to do. Therefore, I'll just come back at a later date. I'm walking away. That, friends, is living in avoidance. You see... Because if I fall from avoidance, where am I falling to? I'm just falling into temptation. Question. I've already established the fact. I'm list- looking to see how much you're listening. Have I sinned yet? No. Now, I put myself right in the middle of a temptation. It's going to be coming, and I better be tough, and I better be ready, and I better be disciplined. But have I sinned yet? Take avoidance out put myself in temptation day after day I sit here if I fall from temptation now where am I sitting now I've sinned now I'm not living victoriously and there's so many believers that day after day after day after day they live in temptation you put yourself in environments you put yourself in situations where if you fall by the way, by the way, don't think of yourself too highly that you will never fall, that I can endure that. You've just played the fool. Are you getting this today? If I live in temptation and I fall, I fall into sin. But if I live in avoidance and I fall, I fall into temptation. And I can still get out of there. You see, principle number five is this. And here's what I want you to get. And I'm going to be done. Principle number five. Being victorious over temptation will not necessarily make you the most popular person in the world. You see, living in avoidance. This is victory right here, guys. This is victorious Christian living. If I learn to live in avoidance, if I learn to keep myself out of situations where I know I'm going to be confronted, where I know I'm going to be tempted, areas in my life that I know that I'm weak in, I just do not go there, just do not live there. This is victory, guys. And if you want to live in victory, teenagers, listen to me. If you want to live a victorious Christian life, you had better learn how to live in avoidance. Otherwise... You're going to live your life in temptation. You're going to be tempted every single day of your life with things that you know. And you're going to be praying, Oh God, please help me overcome this. And yet, you're going to go right back. You're not going to change your lifestyle. You're going to go right back into those environments where you know you're going to be tempted. But yet, God, please help me. Hey, God says, I've given you enough sense. And I've let your preacher preach to you. Get over in avoidance. Start living in avoidance. Quit putting yourself... In situations where you know you're going to be tempted. Now, this is kind of a message for teenagers. But it's really a pretty good message for every single one of us. Let me tell you how I know. You see, I'm not going to start naming all the sins for fear that I'll leave one out that may be yours. And you'll think you got by and it's probably not. A, no, I'm not. I'm not even going to go there to start listing sins. But you know as well as I do, you've got a weakness. What is it? what is your weakness what is the area in your life that you know satan shoots his fiery darts at you and you know you're going to be tempted in that area then i would encourage you to get out of it and don't put yourself in those situations live in avoidance and not in temptation because if you fall from avoidance You fall to temptation. You haven't sinned. If you fall from temptation, you fall to sin. And, of course, you've sinned. And it's not going to make you a popular person. End of the story. Potiphar's wife grabs his garment. He went inside the house. Now, thank God he had the right response. He refused to lie with her. And he ran out of the house. But she grabbed his garment. And you know what she did? She yelled, rape. Rape. He raped me. He came into this house and nobody else was here. Here, it's my word against his. Don't ever put yourself... in Men, you should never... Get this, guys. Don't you schedule dinner dates. Don't you drive someone home. Don't you get involved. Listen, you've got to live in avoidance. And some of you men don't have the safeguards in your life. And every single day, you're living in temptation. And if you're not real careful, you're going to find yourself falling... In adultery or having a sexual affair with, with someone. Now, I'm not saying you, you gotta interact together, I understand that. Women in the workplace, men, in the, there's gotta be that interaction, but you put some safeguards in your life. Don't you get behind a door with a woman and close, and that door closed. Now, I know some of you are going through counseling classes, and the rest of you find yourself in counseling situations from time to time. Don't ever go in an office, in a door, in a room one-on-one you with someone of the opposite sex and shut the door and sit in the... don't do that leave the door my policy is i usually try to counsel with my wife if not i try to pull donetta in and if that's a, if that we can't do either one of those i leave my office door open and she's right outside at her desk and we're going to talk in that environment there's some safeguards you got to put in your life in order to live in avoidance She yelled rape. Here's another little thing about living in temptation. Now, he didn't sin, but he put himself in that environment every every day. And he went in that house knowing they weren't there. She yells rape. She tells her husband. He gets furious. Well, I got furious. Yeah, I'm furious too. Throws him in prison. Everybody in the region thought that Joseph tried to rape Potiphar's wife. Now, I want to ask you, did he? Did he try to rape her? No. Did Joseph really... Did he really do the right thing? Other than going into the house knowing nobody... But did he do the right thing? Yeah, he fled. He got out of the house. But everybody thought that he had committed the sin. You see, sometimes, guys, there's that sin called guilty by association. And just because you're there with that bunch... And just because you're in that group... Just because you're there when they're doing things... You may not have done it, but everybody's gonna think you did. That's what they thought about Joseph. He spends time in prison. He's not real popular. But he resists the temptation. I think we can live one step better than what Joseph did. I think we can live in avoidance. So let me ask you a question. You get to make a choice. You can choose to live in sin. You can just choose not to change anything. You can choose to live right here. But may I remind you that you do not get to choose the consequences. The consequences of living right here all the time is in eternity in the devil's hell. That's the consequences of this. Or you could choose the, I'm going to accept Christ and ask him to forgive me and I'm going to start living my Christian life, but... You're constantly putting yourself in situations, whatever they are, and now you're living in temptation. And you know those areas. I mean, Joseph knew what was going to happen day after day. He knew. You know. And you get to make a choice. But you don't get to choose the consequences. If you live here, I promise you one day you'll find yourself here. And when you find yourself here, it's not going to hurt just you, it's going to hurt your spouse. It's going to hurt your kids. It's going to hurt your family. It's going to hurt your co-workers. It's going to hurt your neighbors. It's going to hurt all your peers. Everybody that thought that you were a strong Christian, but you fell to sin because you were living in temptation. Or you can choose to live in avoidance. I hope you choose this. You know the areas in your life that you need to avoid. You know what they are you know what they are stay out of those situations don't put yourself in that environment live right here in avoidance because if you fall from here you fall into temptation have we sinned yet? have we sinned yet? no you still have room do like Joseph did he ran out of the house and he got back over here in avoidance Guys, this is where we need to live. Now, if you want to live victoriously as a Christian, teenagers, you've got to live right You've got to think about situations you put yourself in. You've got to think about crowds that you run with. You've got to think about some of the practical jokes that are being done. Guys, you know there's a big thing out. Can I just get real with you? I mean, I'm just trying to be real today. How many has heard of sexting that's taking place today? Some of you teenagers may or may not be involved with this I'm sure you've heard about it it's where teenagers are taking ne- naked pictures of themselves or they're typing something in very provocative and they're sending that to their friends do you realize that the consequences of that if you get caught criminal charges are coming your way you see these little practical jokes these little things that we do do you realize they have some serious serious consequences Hello? Don't even do that. Matter of fact, if you think you're going to be tempted to get into sexting, then you ought to do away with your cell phone and live and avoid it. You ought to just say, hey, take, take texting completely off my phone. I don't want to fall into that sin. Hello? And I don't know what it is that's out there, but we live in a messed up world today. And we think a lot of times we can just do some practical jokes and it kind of be funny and everybody kind of laugh. There's some serious consequences coming as a result of that. Live in avoidance. You get to choose where you get to live. But you don't get to choose the consequences that's going to follow the result of your choice of where you're going to live. My prayer is that you choose avoidance. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and the girls are going to come up and in just a moment, they are going to sing a song of events. Come on up, girls. They're, come on up and get ready. They're going to sing in just a moment. But right now, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, adults, this message is just as good for you as it is for the teens. Let me ask you, where are you living? Where are you living? Are you living In temptation, if you are, I want to encourage you to get over to the other house. Live in avoidance. If you're here today and you're living in sin, I just want to let you know that we love you. God loves you. He loves you so much that, that he gave his only son to die for you. You do not have to live in sin. Jesus loves you. He died for you. Ask Him to forgive you to come into your life. Accept Him, the one that paid your sin debt. Accept Him as your Savior and live for Him. What is it you're struggling with today? I'm going to pray for you right now. We've got our deacons in the back and they're ready for you. And they're here to pray for you. And Let me ask you, where are you? I'm going to pray. And then as these girls sing, if God spoke to your heart today, I really want you to get up out of your seat and go to the bank and speak with one of these counselors. Now for you middle school students, junior high kids, I'd encourage you to go to your junior high, go to Dave and Donetta. You know they love you. They've been there for you. They've sacrificed for you. They pray for you. And I guarantee you could take anything to them and they will help you you senior high kids, I encourage you to go to Daryl and Linda. They've done the same thing. They love you. They give of their time and effort and energy. They don't get paid to do, neither one of them get paid to do what they're doing. They volunteer their time just to invest in you to help you be the Christian that you can be. And if there's others here and you're not in either one of those youth groups, then I encourage you to go to one of these other families And just pray and ask for help. We're not going to judge you. We're here to encourage one another. And there would be nothing that would bless our heart more than to have the privilege and the opportunity to pray with you to help you live in avoidance. As soon as I pray, the girls are going to start to sing. And as soon as they start to sing, I want you to respond and get up and do what God's leading you to do. Father, we commit this time of invitation to you. And God, I just pray that you would help us to learn to live in avoidance. God, help us to look at the life of Joseph. And maybe that's not the sin that we're dealing with. But God, you know the sin in our life. And God, I pray that you'd reveal that to us. You know where we are weak. God, help us to live in avoidance, especially in those areas. Father, do a work. That only you can do right now in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.